Hi, you're listening to the Gamers Sushi Podcast. This is the second episode. I'm Eddie. I'm Anthony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Nick. And uh, Mitch, our Canadian friend, isn't here with us this week. Um, he's got some stuff to do. So it'll probably be a better podcast for it. Um, Nick, what was, the, uh, what was the tentative title of this podcast? Uh, the tentative pro- uh, title is I've Got 99 Problems and a Mitch Ain't One. Yeah, I think that's, that's what we're going to roll with. Uh, the All American Podcast. <laughs> Great American Podcast, too. Should we like break in the Star Spangled Banner at some point just to emphasize U.S. versus America, U.S. versus Canada? Yeah, I think that'd be I, good. Even I think it should play continuously in the background. Maybe yeah. the entire podcast, yeah. <laughs> just to make it more patriotic and mm-hmm. better, I think. Uh, but anyway, so he's not with us, but uh, he'll be back uh, for our next edition. Um, I guess right now, first thing we'll do is talk about what everyone's playing. Anthony, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I uh, have been playing uh, mainly Heavy Rain. Um, I'm about probably about halfway through it. Um, I understand there's about 50-some-odd chapters. I'm somewhere around 25 or so, so I think I'm halfway. Um, I have to say, you know, I was told specifically by you, Eddie, and I've read elsewhere that the game starts off kind of slow, and it did... And I sort of forgot that everyone told me that because I would play something else. Like I'd play Final Fantasy thirteen and then I would be like, well, I think I'll play some Heavy Rain. But I'm like, oh, God, I guess I'll play it. Like I didn't really feel the urge to play it. And then I got to a certain point in the game. And like like if you guys know me, I don't really I – li- I enjoy story games and stories, but I don't really play games for the story. But for the first time in a long time, I actually sat down and said, I have to play because I want to see what happens next. Um the story right now, I understand it may fall apart later, uh, is pretty good. I love all the little, the, the little mundane things you have to do, like you know, like you know, doing homework with your kid and like you know, just opening the like. It just makes everything really immersive and it really puts you in the moment of the game. And it's the first game in a long time, probably since Shadow of the Colossus, that the emotion in the game doesn't feel manipulated or anything. It feels really sincere and it doesn't feel cheesy at all. And um, I just, I really, I'm really enjoying the game right now. Yeah, it was, it that game was so interesting because, <laughs> like, I think I wrote about this somewhere, uh, maybe on the site, I can't remember, but that, that at least for me, games a lot of times try to pull these emotions out of you, and the, and the greatest one ever always seems to be like, oh man, that stinks, my character died, that I really, you know, like my character that I leveled up, you know, she got killed, mm-hmm. dang. Um, but it's... It's really complex and difficult to try to to make you feel like a bad father, you know. Yeah. <laughs> which which that game made me do because there's the scene early on where kind of what you said that you can help your kid uh, do homework and like I I I was like eh, he'll watch TV and then I I went outside and I played basketball for like an hour and a half in the in game time and then I came back in and then I saw the schedule that that his mom had left for him to do and I was like oh dang it. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't feed him, like I, you know, so I fed him like junk food, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm like the worst father. I actually got the good father trophy. Um, I did. I saw the <laughs> schedule right away, and I did everything. Uh, well, almost everything perfectly. He didn't start his homework till like six forty-five, but whatever. She's not gonna know. Um, and like, there was a scene where he's doing his homework, and you know, you sort of just can mess around a bit while you're waiting for him to finish, and. Uh, I just set my character down at the dining room table and I just let sort of put the controller down and my character was looking at him, watching him do his homework and the, the 
camera changed from the, 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 the angle that it was at and it sort of went into the, uh, the living room uh, looking into the kitchen and it sort of slowly zoomed in and the way the music was playing and everything, it was like really like it became really cinematic, you know, in the middle of a user controlled scene. And, um, it just, it was really like, I was like, wow, this is really, really well done. Um, so yeah, like uh, just everything about the game so far, like there's a, a scene where you sort of are in a, you're in a car, you're like sort of like a car chase kind of thing without giving away spoilers. Like you're in a car, you're driving real fast and avoiding stuff and you're not actually controlling the car in the traditional way, but the, the character's driving the car. And then when you need to do an evasive maneuver, it'll do the little quick time events. And, mm-hmm. um, that was really fun and intense. And one thing I'll say, like I'm a hardcore gamer, uh, you know, whatever that means. And these quick time events, I mean, they're more difficult than the ones you usually associate with games. It's um, true. God, it makes God of War looks like look like child's play. Like the quick time events in Heavy Rain are really difficult, and you can mess. They, they're I guess they're so difficult that they allow you to mess up every once in a while. But there's a few times that you really can't mess up, and yeah, and it, it, they're intense. Like. You can't lie down and play this game because the quick time events start coming up and you're like, oh crap, I gotta sit up, I gotta be focused, I gotta hit these things, or I might die. Like and 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 be dead dead. There's no there's no game over screen. You know, so I mean yeah, it, it did a really, really good job with, with all that stuff. That's actually a great point about lying down because I sometimes um pl- will play laying on my side, like on my bed, and I you know, I'll just lay on my left side. And there was one of those quick time events where you have to hold down like three or four buttons. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I, hate the, hated I those. was not, <laughs> I was not prepared for it. Like I just okay pressed it with my thumb, and then I pressed the next button, and then I was sort of out of position. So I literally was like contorting my. I actually had to put my toe on the X button and just. Like, okay, <laughs> got it. Whew, there we That's go. Awesome. I climbed that muddy hill. Oh yeah, that part. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's, I, it's interesting that you, you say that the quick time events seem that much harder than God of War because that's actually pretty fresh in my mind. And I'd say that, like, I don't know, they have an interesting sort of nonlinear quality, quality to them because, yeah, there are points where if you press the wrong thing, you're screwed. But you could screw up three times before that and still be okay. It would just branch a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like how the the quick time deaths, unlike other games, are not instant game over. It's usually quick time events. Usually in other games, are press X to not die. And, yeah, exactly. You know, that's and, how that's how Resident Evil Five is. Like, I didn't press yeah. X at the right time. I don't have a head anymore. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I thought that the cutscene was safe. I put the controller down to take a sip of my chocolate milk, and oh my god, I'm dead. You know? Yeah, right. One thing that I thought was really cool about Heavy Rain, um, that I, I at least looking around at things people have written about that I don't I don't read about much, is the what's it called the the Ari um, interface. Yes, mm-hmm. it's so stinking cool. And like I every time I every time I I had to get in that the Ari interface if you haven't played the game is these kind of uh, virtual reality glasses that, that the detective puts on, and um, he researches and and looks at all the clues in his office through this. Uh, VR interface and it's just really cool because the way they incorporate the six axis six axis controls with it um but every time like I wish that they had been that they had done it more in the game because every time they did it like I kept finding excuses to look at other clues again because I I just really enjoyed using that interface yeah when I the first uh when you're searching this first crime scene is the first time you get to use it and it reminded me a lot of the detective mode in Arkham Asylum 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when you get to the office later and you sort of you put the glasses on, you're sitting at this like dirty desk in this dungy little office, and it gives you the option to sort of change the la- the virtual reality layout yes. of the office. Did um, you pick I picked Mars. Yes. Did no, you I, pick Mars? No, I picked the underwater one. Oh, okay. That was okay. Mars. I had to pick Mars as well. Jeff, what did you pick? I switched through all three of them just to see what it was. I, I don't remember which one I stuck with, but Mars maybe. Because what is there like? There's Mars. There's underwater. There's like a forest. There's, yeah. There's like a forest. There's like a mountainscape or something, and there's the under the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I think the Mars one is the coolest looking one. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what I stuck with. Yeah. I'm partial to uh, to under the sea, so I I pick that. But I once I saw the under the sea, I was like, oh, that's the one I'm picking. But let me go back and see all the others. And I'm like, oh, Mars, that's cool. But I just watched Watchmen a couple weeks ago, so um, I pick <laughs> the under the sea thing, and like then you sort of do. You're like you got your files out and you, your character's looking at his files in a kind of minority report kind of way where he's moving yeah. his arms and flipping them around and everything. And um, the, it, it was just a really neat touch. And, you know, I haven't got to use it anymore um, in the game at the point of the, uh, the game where I'm at now. But um, I, I would like to see it a lot more. I thought it was really, really cool. And you're right. I didn't read a lot about that. Um, yeah. In the press of the game, like I think after the game came out, I didn't hear about it. I heard it in the previews, but not in the reviews. They didn't really use it that much, honestly. It's only in what, like, three or four scenes, right? Yeah, and the last time you use it, it's probably the coolest because you're you're manipulating like a video back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really like. I just I wish that there were more reasons to use it because um, it was it was done really well and it's it was really slick. I think it'd just be cool if they would make a sequel. You know, maybe not a story sequel, but just sort of a gameplay game sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thematic sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where it's just like maybe like a detective story where you get to use that a lot. I actually really enjoyed the quick time event gameplay. It was really like, yeah, edge of your seat. Yeah. You, had, you were always in the moment when you were playing that. It was really cool just sort of getting caught up in it like that. I don't know. I do yeah. think that it uh, it's going to inspire some games that we're going to see in maybe a year here. Oh, for sure. Um, and maybe not all aspects of it, but maybe kind of the quick time based gameplay and then maybe a little bit more of the of the I don't know if we'll get like the VR detective stuff, but de- I think we'll definitely see some more of these type of games that will be inspired by Heavy Rain. Yeah, I thought the individual scenes themselves were really well done and and told, and all the scenarios for the quick time events were pretty awesome. It just it just really is a shame that the story kind of fell apart right around the halfway mark, um, you know. But it doesn't. I mean, the game was still a lot of fun, but. It, it was just interesting that it was heralded as this storytelling achievement when really the story of it, you know, I think, Jeff, you said this on the, you wrote a blog post about it, that it was no more than like a B movie. Yeah, well, it seems like the, the best video game stories, when you really get down to it, are only as good as like B-grade thrillers. I loved Uncharted 2, but if it was a movie, it'd have Matthew McConaughey in it, you know. <laughs> Seriously, like it, it'd just be some asshole running around and in the woods, jumping on cliffs and yelling at some babe. I would argue that it was a better story than um, Indiana Jones 4. So <laughs> that was an actual movie that was made and released. Well, and apparently Shia LaBeouf would agree with you. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Um, um, one thing real quick, I just uh, about Heavy Rain. The um, You can tell that the, the voice acting, like sometimes it's really, really good and sometimes it's not so good. Yeah, and you can tell that it was because I understand the game was made in France, and you can tell it's almost like French actors playing American roles because 
like the main character when you're making him a dinner for your kid, he says like, um, you know, oh, Sean, come here. Your meal is getting cold. I'm like, what American says meal? You know, yeah. like just little things like that, like clue you in. And then like the little thoughts that you, you know, you can click and like hear the character's thoughts and everything. And sometimes it, it'll be stuff that it sounds normal. Like, you know, oh, I think I'll go do this. And you're like, okay, that sounds natural. And then other times it's like, oh my God, why can't I go and do, you know, and they freak out about something that's disproportionate to the situation. And it, it's just, it's weird that such a, a cinematic game with such an emphasis on acting and motion control, uh, you know, the, the motion capture and everything has such a, a complete disparity in quality as compared to something like Uncharted 2, you know? Yeah, well, and also there was never a consistent pronunciation of origami. It's true. <laughs> yes. You know, the, uh, the, from Lieutenant, every character. <laughs> the, the cop that you're with, Lieutenant Blake, uh, he says it in a way that I can't, I can't even duplicate how he said it because I've never heard it said it's that like way. Before. origami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the origami killer. And then a lot of people say origami. Origami. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Nick, um, do you want to go through what you've been playing? Yeah, I guess uh, real quick, I just want to touch on that I uh, started playing Bioshock 2. I know it's a little bit older, but I, uh, I picked it up from Gamefly, and I'm really enjoying it. It's, I, at first, I was a little... It it's, doesn't quite have the same atmosphere. Like, it has the same art design and the same look and feel, but it doesn't quite have the same... Like It's not as scary, you know? It, it doesn't have that ominous feel to it. And maybe it's because you already know the world... And you're not, and you're, you're not a stranger in the world. You're kind of a character that's supposed to be there. So maybe that's part of it. But after I got over that, I really, you know, I just really like the gameplay. I really like plasmids. I, it's really fun to still really fun to fight big daddies, but big sisters are a whole nother level of fun because they're so quick. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I don't. It's not. I don't think it's quite as excellent a game as the first one. I think uh, Jeff gave it a B. I think that would be pretty, pretty much what I would say, at least to now. I'm probably about a third of the way into the game. Um, but I'm also playing the 3D.Game Heroes, and that game is a treat. It's, it's so fun to play. Like, you fire up the game, and you just immediately have a huge smile on your face. Like, everything is nostalgia in this game. Like... Your character is a descendant of a great hero, and you have to go to a forest to get a sword to save the kingdom from a dark lord. Like, you're, I mean, it's on the nose. It's unapologetic homage to, to Link to the Past and to the original Zelda. And it, it, it just, it, it's so much fun. Like, you're walking around the world. The song that's playing when you're walking around the world is almost the Zelda song. Like it, it, it's not. It doesn't sound exactly the same, but it gives you that exact same feel of like adventure, and it might actually be about the same song minus a few notes. But you, you, I hit. You know, you hit up all of the the you know the water temple, desert temple, fire temple, and you know the first the first temple I go into, there's a button and I can't get to the button, and I'm like, well, I have to hit that button. I'm probably gonna need to get a boomerang. And then I get a boomerang, and I'm just like, this is amazing. Or the second place, there's a crack in the wall, and I'm like, I'm going to need to get bombs to get the crack in the wall. And it, it, it feels actually more like the original Zelda than, in, than any of the other ones. 
uh, the uh, the items, I guess, like I just got the the hook shot. It's not the hook shot, but it's it's basically the hook shot. Yeah. Um, and so that's more later games. I don't think there was a hook shot in the original one, but yeah. the rest of the stuff is feels very like the way the labyrinths are built. Very very Zelda. The bad guys look like Zelda bad guys. The the dudes that the like pig looking dudes that throw the spears at you. Moblins. The, yes, the spider guys that jump around. <laughs> You, you know, you 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 walk up to a crack in in a, a the face of a mountain. You put a bomb there. You go in, and then a fairy heals your wounds. I mean, it it, it you it's Zelda. It's so so Zelda, and the art is incredible. Like the way that they take two D and they three Dize it. It's actually part of the story that the world was three D, and then the king decided that it needed to be three D. So there's this cool there's this cool animation where it 3Dizes everything, huh. and, and then the characters actually refer to it being in 3D. Like you talk to a lady and she's like, "Life has gotten much harder since it's got 3D because it's harder <laughs> to clean because That's there's awesome. more places to clean." <laughs> and just you know, it's very it's very smart. It knows exactly what it is. It's very you know nudge nudge wink wink. Like it's it knows who you are. It knows what it is. And there I think there's actually one thing where it's like 3D is really great. It'd be great if there was a mech game in 3D. Like it, it, it's just the, the characters you talk to are, are very funny, but the art looks like Lego pieces animated, like in the same way that Little Big Planet looked like real things put into a game and then animated. I feel like this game is pretty similar in that it looks like real blocks that you get to control, and it's it's very very cool. I love the art. The only thing I would have to say, I guess, I have two kind of things about it one thing is that it might be too much of an homage yeah i kind of wondered about that because it's like you have a game that's essentially i mean it's essentially a copy yeah of of legend of zelda yeah and i was like and that you know that's a great template <laughs> you know to base your game off of but would it you know would it add anything new because um, i heard that the attacks are pretty cool because you have like these big room spanning sword attacks yeah your sword is massive yeah, and so I've heard that that's cool, but th- it might not be enough of a of an addition to keep it from being like too derivative. It's true, and also you only get that massive sword when you have full health. So oh. when you don't have full health, you have a you have a pretty big sword, but it's not like this. I mean, when you get the big big sword when you have full health, like it's a, it's a game changer because you can hit stuff so far away, and you can clear out like three rows of enemies with one sword hit. And you can level up the sword, and you get multiple swords. I actually didn't know that you got other swords. I guess I should have figured that out. And I've actually been leveling up this sword, and now I'm like, crap, I kind of wasted all that money because now I'm, you know, I can get other swords. And I'm like, should I get the other sword or level? And I, I don't know what to do. So you did what I did in Final yeah. Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, I kind of did, did a very similar <laughs> thing. So there's that thing. It's like uh, I was thinking about the other day. It's like going to see a really, really badass cover band. <laughs> They're still not ACDC. So it's awesome, and I'm glad I got to see them, but it, it, it just is what it is, you know? And the other kind of complaint thing I have, is I'm kind of glad where games have gone now in certain areas. One of those areas is saving of games <laughs> because you have to check in at an inn, you can save it wherever you want, but once you restart the game over, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take your progress where you're at, but put you back into the last inn that you checked into. Oh. So I was 
traversing across half the world. And I was trying to get to the desert temple and I was like, I kind of want to, you know, put the game down. You know, I kind of want to go to bed or I kind of want to go do something else. And I couldn't because if I would have stopped the game, I would have gone all the way across the world and I would have to go all the way to the desert again. And I didn't want to do that. So I just continued to play the game and I ended up playing the game until like 3.30 in the morning <laughs> because I just couldn't, I, I had to get to a point to where I could stop. But overall I love the game it's it's such a fun time and one thing I really like is that it's it's only forty dollars correct yeah right. so I think th what's really awesome is that the the devs were like listen we're just gonna give you which we're gonna give you it's gonna be a single-player game it's gonna be about 10 15 hours if you want to do more side quest stuff it could be 20 hours but that's basically all we're giving you and it's only gonna be forty dollars and I think that's really cool opposed to something like earlier I was talking about Bioshock 2 where it's like, okay, we got to make this thing worth $60, so we're going to put in co-op. And I kind of wish you would be, more developers would be like, we're not going to do that. We're going to cut development costs. We're just going to give you an amazing single-player or an amazing multiplayer game, and we're not going to charge you as much money. So I, I kind of appreciate what they did with that on the, on the price point. See, I think some of that actually is, um, I think some of that is Microsoft. I don't know that for sure, but I know that... Um, that some developers have had struggles with the way they want to price DLC, um, that Microsoft requires it to be a certain amount. Um, and then same thing, Bungie wanted ODST to come out for, for less than $60, and then it ended up being a $60 game that was like six or seven hours long, and they had even said a year or two prior that they wanted it to be shorter. Um, I don't know if you'd see a, a new $40 game like that on the 360. No, that's a shame. Uh, one other thing, Nick, you might appreciate when it comes to price point and everything is the the avatars and the people that you can select as your character, like San Octopus or you know, or these really weird, obscure characters um, from other video games. Uh, those actually were DLC that you had to pay for in Japan, but they put them for free on the cartridge here in North America. So you're getting uh, a game for less than $60 and all the DLC that was uh, in Japan that you had to pay for. So it is a pretty good deal. Oh, yeah, that, that is really cool. There's there's so many characters you can pick from. Like, there's maybe, like, 12 pages of, of characters you can pick from. And I was just, like, when you first start the game, it's, like, I was so overwhelmed. I was, like, I'm just going to pick the the guy that's, like, like, <laughs> like because, yeah. I mean, they they give you everything. Like, Santa is a character, and, like, a dragon is a character. And then there there's so many, so many characters. So, yeah, I just was, like, I'll pick the main guy. Can't you also, like, make your own guy, or is that... I think you can customize your guy. I haven't messed around with that, but because I think yeah, I saw can... an article about how, like, how to make Link in 3D.GameHeroes, so... Yeah, I actually sent, um, just, I guess, sees how much my emails are read. I actually sent you guys a link that where you, it takes you to the website where you can create your own character just on the website. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Like, uh, you can make literally, like, anything. I've seen stuff where people have made Gordon Freeman. Um, oh, that's oh, wow. awesome. That's cool. I think, um, what was it, like, uh, Kotaku made uh, a logo or something like that, like a Pepsi logo. Um, so there's almost... You know anything? You have to be really creative with it. I don't think I have the patience for it. I'll probably just pick Santa Claus, but <laughs> um, but yeah, you could if you have the patience for it, you can get really in depth with it. Nice. So Jeff, um, what have you been playing lately? Well, so I kind of wrapped up a few games recently, and I'm I'm working on a backlog. I have a bunch of really long games that I've had for a while. So 
I know Nick was annoyed with me that I, I'm focusing on this, but I'm, I've been playing <laughs> Border. I've been playing Borderlands, which I finally finished this last weekend. Late pass. Late pass. I know. I know. Okay, I haven't finished it. <laughs> well, it's, that's the interesting thing is that like it's actually kind of a very simplistic game. All you really do is you run around. You shoot monsters that give you guns that are better than the guns you already have, and then you use those guns to shoot more monsters and get more loot. And it's like there's not that much to it, but it's really kind of strangely addictive. Well, and it's, even though it's first person Diablo, yeah, well, yeah, and I actually never played Diablo, so new to me. I know your horror Diablo fight. is amazing. Sorry, keep going. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even though I put in like. 30 hours on my, my one character I've played another what 12 hours with you and your brother and I'd still yeah. play it like whenever you guys want to play it I'm still up for playing it it's just weirdly addictive like that and I actually ended up downloading the the DLC for the zombie island thing just because it was on sale so I'll end up playing that soon too but it's, it's kind of a neat game I, and I think also it's been out for long enough that people who haven't checked it out can probably get it pretty easily for rent or for, you know, wherever they want to go. And I would recommend checking it out because the interesting thing was, I think it got kind of mixed reviews like on all the big major sites, but what made me want to pick it up was reading what all the actual people playing it had to say, like all the, the customers, yeah. the users, because it seemed like the people commenting on Amazon loved it even though reviewers were just kind of like, eh, it's repetitive, who cares? You know? I wonder how much of that had to do with being able to experience it in a co-op setting if you're like, you know what I mean? Like if you're a reviewer that gets a copy of the game and then you just, you just play it by yourself, you know what I mean? But then again, you played a lot of it by yourself. Yeah, you still, yeah. You still dug it, so I don't know how much of that holds water. Well, I mean, honestly, the, the last couple of hours of it were fun, but they probably would have been more fun if I had played them co-op. Yeah. Um, I just, I just kind of wanted to finish it, and uh, I was enjoying it enough that I could focus on it. Um, I've got, like, Fallout 3, Dragon Age, Mass Effect 2. can't believe you haven't played Mass Effect 2 yet. <laughs> you play Mass Effect 2. It's incredible. <laughs> I know, job. I know. I'm still I know. trying to play Mass Effect 1. <laughs> you, you need to get through that so you can play 2. 2 is, two is the, the best. I mean... Sorry, spoilers. It's probably going to be the game of the year at the end of the year. So, I mean, maybe not, but it probably is. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's that good. No, I think I'm going to play Mass Effect Two next, and I have. I mean, I have played it. I put in like eight hours. I just kept on wanting to play other things that were shorter. That uh, that's really what it came down to. Is that I was like, all right, well, I can sit down and play Mass Effect and end up playing it for four hours, or I can sit down and play this other game for for an hour and be happy. You know. Kind of like I could play Oblivion or I could beat these other nine games. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I just checked Metacritic. Uh, Borderlands has like an 83 uh, average rating. That's so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah it, right. it got pretty good. I think it was a game that no one really expected. It was kind of like a sleeper hit. Um, everyone thought like in the middle of that crazy, you know, what was like, un, uh, like what, what year did it come out? This past year or the year yeah. before? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, so it was like Uncharted. It was Modern Warfare uh, 2. Age. It got pretty good reviews and just it sold despite all you know indications otherwise that it wouldn't. Um, I really I liked it. It's just um, the it did get a little repetitive for me because the difficulty got it got really high all of a sudden. 
where you just had to grind, and I got tired of killing Skag, so that's the only reason I stopped. But whenever I played with other people, I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, my experience with the game is that, like, the more people you had in it with you, the, like, it was more, like, the fun increased exponentially <laughs> yeah. uh, for every person you added. And, yeah, um, it just gets insane the more oh, yeah. people you play with. Yeah, because the monsters are tougher. I think they spawn more. It's just a, a, a lot crazier. Um, the other kind of interesting thing is, so they did the three DLC packs so far, and they actually even said that they feel like it's the kind of game where they could almost just keep releasing DLC like that. Without and, having to make a sequel or yeah. like an official sequel for a while, they can just keep lengthening it. Yeah, so obviously I think they had finished you know, the DLC that they had budgeted for so far. But, I mean, we could very well see more like big DLC packs for Borderlands by the end of the year, which would be kind of awesome. I mean, that's a, that's a cool way to do it because if it's still selling six months later, then why yeah. the hell not? Yeah, because yeah. most most games they they get sold in like a a few week window, from what I've read. Like that, if if your game doesn't, you know, pretty much you've got like a month to nail it, and if you don't, um, then your game just doesn't end up doing very well. But Borderlands sold really well for yeah five to six months, which totally surprised them. And I like the way they've been doing the DLC, which is not too often and not too soon. Um, they waited a little bit before they did it. Like I, I feel like with like um, I haven't played Mass Effect two yet, but every time it seems every other week there's new DLC for it, and I just feel like if you're actually buying all that, you're probably overwhelmed and ready to just kill yourself at this point. Um, well, it's free. I like the way Borderlands is doing. What's that? Well, it's free. The it's Mass free. Effect two DLC. Yeah, but almost bought, all of it is almost all of it. Yeah, if you bought the game new, it's it's all it's all part of the Cerberus network. Oh, but, but but even still, like free or not, like it's just like oh my god, more new content. I haven't even finished this other one. But like you know, with Borderlands, they feel like they've given you like a lot of time in between to you know to actually play it all before you start on the DLC. Yeah, I haven't even touched the Mass Effect Two DLC. <laughs> yeah, and then you there's know. the Dragon Age DLC, which is huge, right? In like thirty hours. Yeah, the Awakening one. But they I gave you they give you a big they give you like a six month window for that, or not six, maybe four month window for that. So. Yeah, and uh, the Darkspawn one just came out uh, this week. So yeah. Um, right now, for me, um, I've I've basically been playing the Halo Reach beta and the StarCraft Two beta. Um, <laughs> it's it's so frustrating for me, like for the StarCraft Two beta, because I haven't updated my my PC in like <laughs> four and a half years, and so so my computer can barely handle. Uh, the StarCraft 2 beta, and I wasn't even interested in StarCraft 2. Um, I, the last RTS I played was Halo Wars, and I got pretty addicted to that uh, for a while. But before that, the, the, the RTS I had mainly played was uh, Warcraft 3 years ago. So I wasn't really even interested in, in the StarCraft 2 beta, but uh, my friend sent me a beta key for it. And in the last week, I've become completely obsessed with it. <laughs> like, like just completely gone, like researching build orders, you know, um, doing all this kind of stuff and playing it every night. And my computer can barely freaking handle the game. Um, it sends out a message to all the other players when you're playing. If you're, if you're the one slowing it down, it tells everybody like Pinocchio is slowing down the game and, and people are like whining at me, but I, but I just love it and I can't stop playing it. And now I want to buy it and I want to upgrade my computer. You know, I don't want to start a little, uh, 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 you know, a little flame war. But as much as, you know, 
uh, PC gamers are like, yeah, this is the, the better medium. I mean, really, it's this is it's hilarious that like for this one game, I'm gonna probably spend about four to six hundred bucks upgrading my computer, but I want to do it <laughs> because <laughs> I, w- I want to play the game real bad, and um, you know, I'll I'll get some good use out of it too because I know I'm gonna want to play um, Diablo, Diablo three. Yeah, Diablo 3 when that comes out. And if we can get uh, Star Wars Old Republic in the next year, um, I'm probably going to dip my toes in that a little bit. So it's going to be money well spent, but, you know, but man, it's just killing me. I just want to play the game, and I had no desire to play it about a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, ha- I have the beta, but I have, I have yet to, to mess around with it too much, minus like uh, one or two games. But. It's uh, it's it's really fun. I'm kind of surprised because it was very off put by the whole all the splitting stuff that was it up coming out. Yeah, it was going to split into three separate games, and that now because BattleNet's going to be dedicated servers, you're going to have to pay for BattleNet. And so I became very kind of anti Blizzard. I'm like, you're making enough money off of World of Warcraft. You <laughs> don't need to do this. I mean, that game just prints money, and. And so I was very, very eh, about it. But at the same time, I was like, I still really want to play Diablo 3. And now, <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, well, I kind of want to play StarCraft 2. But, yeah, I don't actually even have a PC. Well, I have the, I guess I have the Elite World PC. But uh, I'm going to try to play it on the Mac. It's not, my laptop isn't quite up to snuff, but it's probably good enough. So It's we'll probably see. better than my PC, that's for sure. Well, definitely the processor is. But yeah, yeah. The, the video card probably not quite as good. But yeah. Well, you've only got about two weeks left to play the beta. It ends on May thirty first. I guess I'll have to log some time get, then. Get cracking. Does the uh, beta? Can you play as all three uh, races? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's a multiplayer beta. So, and I tried out Protoss for the first time. I've been normally doing Terran, but I tried out Protoss and uh, Void Rays. You can spam Void Rays, and they're a little overpowered. They just kind of demolish everything. Um, that they come in contact with, so I'd like to see that tweaked a little bit in the final game. But nerf, but <laughs> nerf, nerf void rays, and then they're going to nerf the void rays. I'd be like, oh my god, they nerf void rays too much. And then you're going to be one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be one of those people <laughs> that always freaks out about that kind of thing. Time to buy a ticket to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, the other day we put a topic on uh, Gamer Sushi asking for uh, some kind of user submitted topics uh that we can cover in the next podcast and uh we've got a few that we that we picked um they were all pretty good but we wanted to kind of pick a few that we thought we could riff on a little bit um i think for time's sake i'm going to skip uh one of them um and just jump straight to um one of the questions was what kind of features will we like to see in the next generation um <laughs> in the next generation of consoles um so Anthony, do you have some opinions on that? Do I? I don't know. I'm not very opinionated, guys. You know that. Um, <laughs> I guess I can muster something up. Um, this, uh, I understand this question. Like, I, I get it and everything. It just, um, and nothing against the person who asked it. It annoys me so much because we're <laughs> we're we're in the middle. We're literally like just in the middle of this generation. Hopefully, and it's, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Well, Sony tells me we're on the. The, the 10-year plan, I've heard Microsoft use something similar, too, so I'm just going to take them at their word. I know that's stupid, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, I'm not anxious to, like, you know, pay four or five, six hundred dollars for another system again one day. Um, so I like where we're at now, and I think 
we're really starting to like just hit our hit their stride. Uh, developers are starting to hit their stride with what games you know they can make and everything like that. I mean, we look at Uncharted Two and like Alan Wake and Mass Effect Two and everything. I mean, it's, it's really getting awesome. And um, I I just you know I don't want to. I'm not one of those people that likes to jump into the next gen um, right away. I think um, and also I, I honestly I can't imagine what I mean if you when I had the PS2 if you told me like we would have all the stuff that we have now you know with like Netflix and the streaming and the, you know, I wouldn't have, I'd been like, what really? That's going to be incredible. Uh, so I really can't imagine what is going to come next, but also I don't see how much more of a leap you can do. Just, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that happens between generations is graphics. Um, the upgrades between, you know, of graphics and visuals. And I don't really see how much better it can, it, it can get. Um, so it, we're I, getting, we're getting to a point of maturity now with video games, like all products, eventually they just become mature. And then everything that is added on top of them is just a small increase. Like they're saying like with operating systems, you know, with windows seven and Mac OS X. And it's like, we've basically done what we can do with operating systems. So now we're just trying to tweak it and make a little bit better each version. I feel like video games is kind of getting to that point now where it's like, I guess you can make stuff a little bit more lifelike, and you could go crazy and change the control scheme like we did, but I think we're kind of there. Like, I don't really know what else you could do other than something really, really crazy. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I mostly agree with that, but what, but Anthony kind of touched on something that, like, you know, a few years ago, even two years ago, if you had said you're going to use your Xbox 360 for the majority of your video rentals, I'd have been like, no way, you know, even two years ago. And I feel like adding that kind of functionality to, to video game consoles this generation has been like a game changer because for me, it changed what I expect. You know what I mean? Like what, like the expectations of what um, a console can do. Um, Cause I, I remember years ago, I can't remember. It was either Nintendo or Sony did a big thing about how they, it was probably Sony, how they wanted the PS3 to be like the media center of your home. And I was like, bull crap. I just Microsoft, want this thing to play. Microsoft yeah. did the same thing there. The, yeah. They said that, they said that at E3 years ago. I mean, they yeah. might have even said this with the original Xbox, and they say it all the time with, yeah. with all of their products. They, yeah. they, they give these big promises of, like, this is going to change your life. This is going to become the center of your life. And I've always been like, whatever. And yeah. Just shut up and let me it. play my games. They did it. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, yeah, this, this generation of consoles has actually done it for me. Like, the, you know, the PS3, like, love the Blu-ray player. Um, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's now become, like, a, a central thing. Um, that I that I use it for, like other than playing video games. Where I mean, the PS2 had a DVD player, but eventually I bought a another DVD player because I didn't want to play DVDs on my PS2 and break it. Um, because yeah. I had a I had a first gen one, and all my friends that had first gen ones, there were theirs were breaking. Uh, I still have mine. Yeah, I still have mine, and it works. <laughs> Day one. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so it's so it's interesting because I feel like this generation of consoles changed the conversation to what they've always been promising, and um. And so in some ways, like, I feel like, yeah, video game consoles might be hitting that maturity point. But in other ways, they, they surprised me. And now I'm using it for all my video rentals. So, well, yeah, you I know, like, how else can they change the game? Well, but the thing is, if, if you think about that, that's, a, that's kind of an incremental change like we were talking about. That's not, we didn't have to get a new 360 to watch Netflix. I think, I think Nintendo has known this for years because it's how they updated the uh, DS, the DS and mm-hmm. the Game Boy Advance. I actually wish 
that the others would kind of take a hint there and say, okay, instead of giving you the, you know, Xbox 9000 and the PS7 <laughs> that, you know, has processors strong enough to power a, a shuttle, we're just going to add little bits here and there. And maybe you'll buy a new one, but you guys that bought one, you know, a couple years ago, you're still good. I think that would make everybody happier and it'd be a lot better way to, I don't know, it, it, it almost would temper expectations too, I would think. I don't know, maybe, maybe they need like the influx of that revenue from the new system. But then again, I say that and don't they always go immediately into the red every time they launch a new oh, yeah. system? Yeah. yeah, so how does it benefit them to say, hey, we're going to release this new system that costs us $1,000 to make and charge you $400 for it? Because you know? they're going to make it up on the back end. So. Yeah, they, they make their money off of the software sales. But also, you know, like I've, I've heard, like what JJ's right, I've heard a lot of analysts talk about, you know, like with things like Move and Natal, like incremental updates. Like you don't have to have a whole new system. You can just add things to it, especially with firmware and stuff like that. You can just update it through the Internet. Sony's going to update it where you can play games in 3D now, and all you have to do is download the update from the Internet. Um, so there are ways to do it without, you know, buying a whole new system. And one, one last point I want to make is, you know, who else doesn't want to jump to a new console is the developers. Games are already extremely expensive to make. And if we, they go to a new system, it'll get even more expensive to make. And you want to pay $75, $80 for a video game. Well, then pray for the PS4. Cause that's, I mean, that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, and they're going to drive releasing new systems and everything is what's eventually going to drive me out of playing games. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like kind of what we were talking about, I feel like vertical growth has kind of maybe stagnated and now it's kind of horizontal growth. If that makes any sense, like we're, we, we've kind of peaked and then now it's all kind of just going out. Like what can we, what else can we bring to the table at this level of, of game console? That's why we're going to, you know, you get last FM, Facebook, Twitter. And I feel like we could see more growth that way. Like Twitter and Facebook integration could become better. You could get Pandora, you know, last FM is already on there. You know, Netflix, you could do, you know, Blockbuster Video or whatever. You could get more things. Hulu, I'm waiting for Hulu. You yeah. could even, I, could, I, I would not be surprised if we saw Microsoft by TiVo. And your 360 could become a TiVo. I mean, see, I that's think, what I'm waiting for. Is yeah. that because I think that's I feel like that's if you know whenever the next generation shows up, I feel like that's going to be a staple of it. Yeah, um, I feel is like that's your your device as a TiVo of some kind. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's my killer app that I keep dreaming of. Um, I mean, Netflix streaming is already kind of kind of making me think. Well, maybe I could cancel cable because you have yeah. so much your fingertips there. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, well. I, if I wait a couple months, this entire TV show will be streaming on there. I don't know if you've looked at it recently, but like all of the seasons of 24 are on there. Everything yeah. from Lost is on there. All of um, Buffy. Now. Yeah, yeah. All of Joss Whedon stuff's on there, but like all of Law & Order SVU's on there. That's like 12, 15 seasons is all on there. But yeah, that's, the other- uh, JJ, I was going to say, that's why Comcast wants to cap your bandwidth. It's because <laughs> you're going to use all their internet bandwidth to watch their shows instead of pay them $60 a month to watch it on cable. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. The other interesting thing is that there are some TV shows that will actually be instantly streamed like the day that they air. Like I watched Leverage on streaming 
like the day after it aired on TNT and Party Down on Stars, same thing. It's got like day and date on streaming, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, talking speaking of, you know, um TV shows on DVD and everything and like how, you know, you would almost just rather you know, if you just wait, you can watch it on DVD as opposed to actually watching it live, because then you can just watch it, you know, the whole thing in one block if you want to. Um, something interesting I read is that, and this this pertains to that. It's a little off games, but it pertains to that. <laughs> is um, basically some shows ratings won't matter. It may just come down to DVD sales, where like, well, this show nobody really watches it, but the DVDs sell like crazy, like Gossip Girl or something like that. You know, You're like only a million viewers, but four million people buy the DVDs. So, I mean. What you're saying with in terms of Netflix is just I'll just wait. I don't even you know cancel my my cable bill. I'll just you know do uh, stream it on my Xbox and everything. That's that might be the wave of the future. Well, yeah, I know Netflix. I think with the was it the president of Netflix said, and these numbers could be wrong. I could just be making these up, but it was something <laughs> about I think he said something like in ten years we want something like eighty percent of Netflix's business to be streaming. Oh, I mean, it's it's cheap. It's way cheaper for them. They, 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 yeah, want, it, they want that to be their business model. And, I mean, we might see plans go up accordingly because you won't be getting movies out and so streaming plans. But I don't think we'll see, like, it'll be the same price, but it just will be no movies involved or something kind of like that just so that they can spit more money out to, to studios. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the next topics that we had uh, from the community were, um, was the idea of uh, morality in games. Um, and kind of what what we think about that um, in general and, and kind of what we lean towards in terms of morality. Uh, Jeff, do you want to talk about that? I, I mean, I, yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. The, the most recent examples I can think of that come to mind as far as morality in games that I've played, Heavy Rain plays with it a little bit. Um, I think it's one of the few games that doesn't have like a clear black and white choice necessarily mm-hmm. all the time. You know, it's kind of like what, what you were talking about with the, the bad father thing. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what happens if you're a bad father in the game. You, you feel guilty about it, but it doesn't say, like, you did what is clearly an evil thing by killing this entire room of people. Yeah. You know, and, and therefore, I'm going to give you a, a black mark on your soul. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just weird. It's weird. It's so arbitrary. I remember, you know, when I was record. Yeah, permanent record. When I was playing Fable 2, um, I played it as, as mostly pretty good. And then finally, once I got around to beating the game, I was just like, well, I want to see what happens if I you know, just go bonkers and kill everybody. And it was really, I don't know, it was weird because I was in this middle, the middle of the town. Everybody loved me at first. And then I'm walking around just like, all right, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And people would keep walking up to you, even though you were clearly murdering everyone in town. And it it was it was almost like it didn't really stand up to any kind of scrutiny when I was being this horrible villainous person. I was just kind of like, well, this feels kind of you know gross for me to do this, but it doesn't seem to have any real effect on the game. You know, it's it's like it, the that particular game just gave a lot of um, you know lip service to the idea of you, you having this morality that changes things, but it really was almost just like window dressing. And I think that's what almost Every time you see morality in a game, it's it's a lot of times it's window dressing, you know. Like it, it's, I guess I guess Mass Effect plays with it a little bit more interestingly. And obviously, I can't talk about that as much because I haven't finished Mass Effect Two. But maybe you guys could kind of 
touch on that. Well, one thing I kind of wanted to say about about that a little bit with you talking about the gray thing where there's no black and white, there's only gray. One thing, I think Mass Effect is, is a superior game. I think it's better in every way. But one thing I think actually Dragon Age does better than Mass Effect does is that with Mass Effect, it's still pretty light and dark. Like, I mean, there's a red thing that pops up on the screen so you can shoot a guy in the head or a blue thing so you can, like, hug a person. But in in Dragon Age, I felt like every decision I made there was like, well, this one's kind of good, but this one's kind of good, and they both have drawbacks. And I felt like they did a really, really good job with that with that gray ambiguity in, in Dragon Age. Yeah, I think so, too. My one problem with Dragon Age, though, when it came to like the morality is that... And see, this is, this is the thing. I mean, it, like I love the idea of having morality in games, but <laughs> I guess I don't want too many consequences for it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like in Dragon Age, if you did a certain thing, made a certain choice wrong, that you would just your party, someone in your party would take off at the drop of a hat, which which sometimes is cool. But in Dragon Age, you would only you only had one crowd control person in Morrigan, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and same thing, like you know, like because your ideal party, you know, being an RP, you know, RPG nerd, <laughs> your ideal party is um, is a tank or a soldier of some kind, um, an assassin or a rogue. Um, a caster slash crowd control, and a healer. Uh, yeah, um, and and a healer, yep. and really those are your four. You need those four people, and you only had one crowd control person the entire game, which is Morgan. And towards the towards the end, you know, not being too spoiler alerty here, you can you can run her off, you know, um, and you can run everybody off at some point in the That's game. That's true. That's you true. know, but. But she's the one that screws you the most because there literally isn't another person like her that you pick up in the game. It's true. Well, there's actually a part of the game where you, if you do something, I guess <laughs> I won't reveal it, but there's a part of the game where if you do something, and it's a bad thing. I mean, you know it's kind of a bad thing when you do it. Like it, They kind of hinted it like you should, probably shouldn't do this, but you can do it. And if you do it and there, if there's certain party m- members in your party at that time, they will instantly attack you, and you will have to kill them, and you will kill. Yeah, it's two. two it's two people, right? Two people. Yeah, I know. I know people. what you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. and th- then they're just dead, and that's it. And <laughs> I mean, you you would screw yourself pretty bad if you if you actually did that. So, well, same thing. Didn't when um, our friend Jace played the game? Didn't he like tell Win to just like screw off? Yeah, <laughs> like he so didn't he want didn't you have to have do a healer. it. Or, yeah, so he didn't have a healer, and then you're almost screwed for the whole game. Yeah, you know. So I guess it's the uh, yeah, there's there's a little there's give and take with it I guess. Yeah, so that's the thing. There's a little bit of a tightrope with morality, you know, and maybe it's just because I like to play games as a jerk because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but like I like, like every every morality game I play, I will play as just like the worst douchebag, like on the planet. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know if like same. I, I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, Fallout Three, and he found out that um, like in Fallout Three, like you could. Um, that he could just like go ahead and like kill um, a traveling merchant and just take everything, um, and and we were talking about like is that you know is that a good as an example of like freedom to kind of do whatever because then he became like ridiculously wealthy and had all these like ridiculous weapons, you know is that and it was pretty easy he said, and now is that an example of freedom or like bad game design? You know. I think that's an example of freedom because what you're doing is you're taking, you're killing somebody, and you're taking the easy way out instead of trying to earn those, you know, earn them the normal way. So 
it's not bad game design because um, I, I think it's just, you know, it's like in life, some people take the easy way out and that's, it's, that's just how it works in real life. Well, the problem is, though, that there are no consequences like there are in real life. You know, yeah. there was no consequences to him doing that. I th- are there not? Because one of the reasons I didn't, one of the things that annoyed me about Fallout was, you know, like in Oblivion, I was, man, I stole everything. I mean, I was like a kleptomaniac. You got oh, me in dude. someone's house. Don't they even would get me just started. For, <laughs> they, they turn around for two seconds and I'm stealing. I'm, I mean, I'm pickpocketing them and then like, hey, how you doing? And talking to them and stuff. But in Fallout, if you steal something, nobody even has to see you and your karma goes down. And so I never stole anything because the first time through I wanted to play it as a nice guy. The second time through I'm actually going to create a female character and play it as an evil bitch. Uh, you know, just for fun. Um, but I, so I never stole because of that. So, and, I, and I'm asking because it's been a while since I played Fallout 3. Is it possible to murder some people like that and not have any karma go down? Because I, I would steal something and no one would see me and my karma would still go down. So I would think murdering would have an effect on it. Yeah, yeah it, it would have to. I, I haven't played Fallout 3 very much recently. Um, and I've never actually, I, I don't think I've killed anybody in cold blood in there like that. So I don't remember for sure. Because, yeah, I usually, uh, well, I usually play games as, uh, as a good guy. <laughs> I do too, Jeff. I do too. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Unless it's just really funny. Like, I remember there was one instance of Knights of the Old Republic um, where <laughs> you, this, there's this guy and he's up on this, like, bridge and he's there's like a bomb and he's like don't press this button and the option was what this button boom and then he blows up and i just that was the funniest thing i think i'd seen in a video game in a long time <laughs> i was like in that case i didn't mind being a dick i don't mind gaining some dark side points for that if you but, want to uh, talk about dark side eddie eddie played kotor <laughs> so bad to a point to where he actually questioned if he had done really bad things like he was like maybe i shouldn't have been this evil because of the 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 things that have been brought before me now. Well, because it was towards the end of the game, and I, it, I feel like the statute of limitations on this one's a little bit lifted because it's a very old game. It's but towards, again. yeah, towards the end of the game, you have the option to to make the Wookiee kill his best friend. You know, uh, to oh, force yeah. to force manipulate him, and I did it, and then it happened, and I was like. I may have just like actually sinned, like <laughs> you know. Even though, um, you know, even though what I did was in a game, I was like, I felt really terrible about that. <laughs> and then Jolie Bindo questioned you, didn't he? Yeah. Then Jolie Bindo was like, you know, he's like, I watched you do lots of bad things. <laughs> he's like, but this one takes the cake. And he was so yeah. annoying. He's the reason I was dark side. <laughs> yeah. You know, he pissed me off. <laughs> So yeah, so it's interesting because kind of what we saw with Fallout Three. Like, I guess Dragon Age is the other side of Fallout Three. It doesn't want to just give you a a karma point, mm-hmm. which it wants to give you a, a consequence. You know, and and it's interesting because I'm like, well, I don't know if I dig that, but I don't know if I, you know what I mean. Like, I can't. I don't know if I can reconcile that. Like, is that you know really giving you a consequence, or is it you know punishing you too much because you know, like I I needed a <laughs> you know, like I need some of these characters right. to like maybe even you, finish yeah. the game. Maybe well, it'll be nicer to them next time. See, well, well that's and that's, that's what my friend said. You know, <laughs> that works at Bioware. When I told him that, I was like, see, I don't know. He's like, well, maybe you won't be such a dick to them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There should be a way to play as the evil guy and still have a balanced game. You know, right? Like, that's yeah. that's the thing. I feel like if if uh, playing evilly means the game is not balanced for you. I mean, I could see making it tougher if you play as the evil guy, but making it like that big of a disparity seems kind of extreme. And actually, I was actually going to say about Fallout 3, there are consequences to the karma. 
Um, it's not like as up in your face, but basically if you're a really good guy, the uh, mercenaries will always hunt you down. So if you, whenever you run a, across a band of mercenaries that are like, we've got a hit that was put out on you and then they try to kill you, that's because you're too good. I don't know what happens if you're too bad, but it, basically there are factions that will like or dislike you. Oh, because okay. So. Yeah, and also depending, you get different NPCs that will join you, like companions, based yeah. on your your karma and everything like that. There was one, um, like I said, I played it good. There was one instance where I did something really evil, um, just because uh, I don't know, I had to. There was the one where you go to um, Dukov's place, I think, the guy with the, the like the the women that are just hanging around entertaining him, and um, uh, I, I rescued like the one woman. She wanted me to take her to. Um, to rivet city or to big town i forget which one and um so i said yeah okay fine no problem so i wasn't ready to go there yet though so i took her back to my place and um i left her there and i went and did some quests and i came back and she's like when are you gonna take me and i'm like yeah soon soon and i come back and then she's like i'm leaving and so she just starts walking out so i was like wait a minute, i don't like this so i couldn't talk to her or do anything to stop her so i went online i checked and no if you don't if, if you don't help her get to where she wants to go within three game days she leaves and there's nothing you could do and it's over so as she was walking away, I kind of slipped a grenade in her pocket and watched her blow up. <laughs> You're cold, if she's gonna man. be, if she's gonna be useless to me anyway, Eddie, you know. <laughs> there, yeah, there's there's probably a trophy for that in there. <laughs> yeah, psychotic prankster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was my favorite trophy. Well, since we're on the topic of RPGs, um, <laughs> segway, segway, segway. Um, see me roll then. Um, <laughs> I wanted to move along to um, our news topics, which was um, we wrote about this on the site, and there was actually a pretty huge discussion about it. Um, so I wanted to continue to hear a little bit because I I try to not weigh in on it too much. Like I weighed in a little bit, but I try not to weigh in on it too much because I want to talk about it here. Um, that there was the Strategy Informer interview where um, one of the lead Bioware writers said that Final Fantasy thirteen wasn't an RPG. And uh, I'll read his quote here real quick. Um, he said, well, before I address the main point, I just want to take a slightly more controversial route. You can put a J in front of it, but it's not an RPG. You don't make any choices. You don't create a character. You don't live your character. I don't know what those are. Adventure games, maybe, but they're not RPGs. Um, Anthony, I know you have some opinions about this, but I want to see what Nick thought of it first. Oh, no problem. It's tough, right? Because it's it, you're you're kind of conditioned from a young age to be like, this is Final Fantasy is an RPG. It's like those are synonymous. Like RPG is Final Fantasy. So I've just grown up and I've been like, that's that's what it is. You you know, you quest around a world, you level up your character, you have stats, you have items, you get new items, and then and, and it's an RPG. But what this guy's saying is he's taking the literal meaning of RPG role-playing game and that you create a character and you play the role but i don't know i mean the, the thing is is i don't really know where to go with this because it's like aren't all games kind of role-playing games aren't you playing a role in all games and then you know there the whole thing of like choosing what to do and having different endings is kind of a newer thing like i mean you know before Bioware came along and they started doing their their crazy morality stuff and drastically changing endings of games, you had some choices, but it wasn't it wasn't 
quite as crazy. So was he saying that there was no RPGs before what Bioware was doing? Because I don't think that's correct either. So, I don't know. I... I'm kind of up in the air about this whole thing, so maybe maybe Anthony has a better <laughs> better opinion. I about actually it. Um, I've thought long and hard about this, um, and I'm actually writing a post um, for Gamer Sushi uh, where I'm actually going to go into detail about the differences between Bioware and Square Enix because I think they're really interesting the way they make games. Um, that'll be my next feature. It's probably take a week to write the damn thing, um, but the like. You know how we hear, like, oh, well, this game has RPG-like elements. Like, like I've even heard people say, like, well, Madden has RPG-like elements because your character's stats, you know, grow right. um, and everything. To me, that's what an RPG is. And I understand where Bioware is coming from because they, they're Dungeons & Dragons fans. They came from tabletop gaming. Which, yeah, they're, they're you know, coming from the pen and paper definition yeah, of pen RPG. pen and paper where, you know, you have a dice, but the main part is your imagination and the story and the world you create and everything, and that's that, and the choices you make, and that's their that's where they're coming from. You know, Square started from literally the Nintendo, where story wasn't as important in video games at that point, but the gameplay was more important. Um, but I th- look, Final Fantasy Thirteen is an RPG. You kill enemies, you level up. When I think of an RPG, I think of leveling up, not making choices. Um, well, and, Bioware and turn, is talking turn, about turn-based fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And Bioware is talking about, like, you know, because before they made games for the consoles, they were making them for the PCs, so they have been doing this kind of thing for a while. Um, but I just, you know, like, I mean, well, like Mass Effect 2, you don't get experience points for killing enemies, you get experience points for completing missions. Is that an RPG? You know, I mean, just from my own definition, yes, but not as much as Mass Effect 1 was, you know. So everyone has a different, you know, definition of it. I just... Um, I, I, I associate RPGs with, you know, leveling up and everything, not not choices. And I, I, I think Bioware's right. And I have, I was really surprised when I, a couple years ago, when I started noticing a J in front of RPG and being like, when did that start happening? <laughs> that we started separating this. I mean, to me, they were just RPGs. It wasn't until I got on the internet and really started noticing stuff that I was like, oh, we are getting divisive here, aren't we? But yeah, that's just my opinion. I think RPGs, you know, Mainly, you have to do with leveling up and stuff like that. Like, you know, some people question whether Legend of Zelda is an RPG, and my response is yes, it is an RPG because at the beginning of the game you have three hearts, and at the end of the game you've got a whole another row of hearts. So you've leveled up your character. Well, so, so then, but the, don't you do the same thing like God of War? That's what I was about to ask. Isn't God of War <laughs> an RPG then? Uh, no, but it has RPG elements. Uh, there you go. Well, see, well yeah, because that was the thing. Like, what Call of Duty Four? has RPG elements in the multiplayer because you get XP for killing character and you level and up. That's why I love it so much. Why do you guys think that's the only, that's the only first person shooter I play is because no. I love leveling up. No, this is why the NCAA games, when they introduced the freaking draft, um, or with the, the the high school recruiting, yeah, the high school is, recruiting. Is, <laughs> that was my favorite part of the game because it was like an RPG. It was. Yeah, exactly. I loved that part. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think the whole discussion is pretty interesting because, yeah, they're taking a very literal definition of what it means. But, um, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it really does highlight kind of a difference in the way that they make games just in the sense that, like, you know, for Bioware, it's about choice and creating a character. Um, and a know, world. But, yeah, and, and, and but really it's interesting because, you know, kind of I think, Anthony, you brought this up in the actual thread, the idea of, well, I mean, I just, I'm just not as attached to a silent protagonist 
Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I'm actually really frustrated that that's a continuing trend. I hate the silent protagonist. Yeah, even back when I played Chrono Trigger, I still just like I I like I love Chrono Trigger, but I don't like him as much as I like any of the other characters in that game or any characters from like Final Fantasy VI. You know, I like the people with, they have personality, and that's what makes me like them. Not I'm giving them my personality. I'm an asshole. I don't like myself. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. it kind of depends, I guess, because I mean, I love. In Half Life, you play Gordon Freeman. He's like one of the you know the, the quintessential, quintessential silent yeah. protagonists. But I I love that for that game because part of what that game does, and I think that it's good that he's a silent protagonist because part of what that game does is you actually never at any point lose control of your character. You even when you're in cut scenes, quote unquote, it's really That's just true. somebody talking to you. But you can still move your head around. You can still walk around, and they're still talking to you. And, you know, their, their voice will change the area that, you, you know, if they're behind you or in front of you or whatever. But you don't have to choose to stand there and talk to them. Because you never lose control of the character, it makes sense to me that that is a silent protagonist. Well, that's, yeah. why, that's why the end of episode two is so, like, gut-wrenching and ridiculous, you know, right. um, because you're, you don't really lose control, but you're forced to watch something. Right. You know, and you have no power to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, uh, which, you know, they, they, they pull that out of you and it makes it much more effective. To me, the, like, Bioware, they're really good at, like, dialogue and creating the worlds and creating these, like, great NPCs and making these choices for you. You can tell that's what they really enjoy. They're amazing um, at world building. Amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Final Fantasy, some of the games have really great stories. Some of them don't. I think Final Fantasy thirteen, the less said about the story, the better. But the gameplay is really great. And that's what they focus on they focus more on the gameplay and they do make it a cinematic rpg but at the end of the day the gameplay is what you take away from it like bioware and this isn't a dig at them at all because you know I, I love their games but it sometimes feels like and i'm excluding mass effect 2 from this because i know they, they it feels very different from you know all their other games um it sometimes feels like it's the same game with a different skin oh, like yeah. Jade empire felt like kotor which feels like dragon age but felt like mass effect and and, and that's fine because you know they got a good structure and everything they do that so they can focus on the story and the writing and the world. You know, well, Final Fantasy, it took them six years to, to you know, make Final Fantasy 13 and the story kinds of up being crappy, but the gameplay is really great. You know, so it's just, it's just coming from different points of view, and I don't think that one's right and one's wrong. And I just, you know, I, I was a little irritated with that one guy, but it's just one guy who works there, so I don't really <laughs> condemn Bioware. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we were talking about... Um, the idea of the silent protagonist, like Mass Effect 2 almost kind of falls somewhere in the middle because even though Shepard, even though he's a character with a voice and stuff, you're still kind of choosing what he does. So he's kind of a character. You know what I mean? Like Shepard is kind of a, a character that does his own thing, but you're also kind of informing what's coming out of his mouth and the choices he makes. So it's it's almost like a weird hybrid, you know? Do you, um in Mass Effect 2, because I've only played a little bit of Mass Effect 1, in Mass Effect 2, do you actually pick what actual line he's going to say, or do you sort of pick the gist of it? You pick, you pick the, the gist. gist. Yeah, because see, that's because I know Alpha Protocol, which is coming out, and I, I look forward to playing that. It's, it's kind of the same way, you know. You you just sort of like pick like snarky or you know you know serious or dangerous. You know, you just pick like a, a a tone, and then he says the words. And to me, that separates you from your character even more because you don't really know what he's going to say. You may think, oh, I'll say this, and it'll come out this way, but it comes out in an entirely different way that you didn't intend. And to me, that you know creates more of a barrier between you and the player that's supposed to be you. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the next stories that we've got is um, that that there was a bunch of talk about was EA's online pass um, that they did for that they're, that they're going to start doing. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about that? Okay. You're the one that first sent me the story. Well, yeah. Well, my big complaint about it is, or my big question about it is, or what well, do you want to do? do? You want to set up the story real quick? Okay. Yeah, okay. So EA sent out a press release on May 10th. Okay, so they they started with they're going to start with PGA with Tiger Woods PGA Tour 11, and it's a game specific one time registration code that grants gamers full online access as well as additional bonus game content. An online pass will include with the original retail purchase of the game. If the original access code has been redeemed, for example, if you picked up a used copy, additional online passes will be available for ten dollars. Fans can also sign up for a seven-day trial to experience online pass for free. So, so basically, you have to pay to get multiplayer. You have to pay to get multiplayer. And, and also... Or if you rent it. Right. Well, yeah, okay, so what if you rent it? So you it says to, you yeah. can sign up for a free seven-day trial. So does that mean you can only play a rented game for seven days, and then you have to pay $10? Uh, I mean... Yeah, I think I, that's what it means. So that, But that's, so that's ridiculous. Because... I, no, because because yeah. it's like, who who are they to say that I'm able to only play a rented game for seven days? You know, GameFly tells me I can keep it as long as I want. That's their, their whole gimmick there. So then I have to pay $10 on top of my monthly fee to GameFly for every EA Sports title I play because they say that it is it is per game. So if I rent four EA games, I have to pay $40 if I want to play any of them more than seven days. That seems a little bit ridiculous. Am I wrong? Um, I, I, I had thought I had read that if you buy one pass – oh, no, you're right. It is game-specific. Yeah, game-specific. Huh. I thought I read that it was for all of them because I thought, wow, no, I'm, hold on. i got to reevaluate my opinion here because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was originally like, oh, if you just pay – like if you – you pay for PGA Tour and then you get to play NCAA. That's fine. And then I was thinking, oh, I bet they'll charge you again when you know NCAA 12 comes out and all that. But no, if it is game specific, yeah, um, yeah, that that is kind of that is kind of dick. Now, who are they to say? Well, it is it is their game and I guess their servers or whatever. But still, you know, that is I'm not happy about that because he's like, it's it's trying to combat used game sales, but. Who buys like? Let's just go with Madden because it's their biggest franchise. Who buys Madden used? Really? I mean, don't most people? I mean, you can't get any store credit for a used Madden game. You know, you get like twenty five cents at GameStop or a po- and a poke in the eye. <laughs> but it's true. Most, every, most hardcore Madden fans are going to buy it the day it comes out. They want out. the day it comes. I guarantee you, there are some people who buy it, but EA is not losing that much money off used game sales. So I really don't even see the point of this. And the. Honestly, it it might they might have picked to do this to the sports games first because of that, because it'll affect less people. Because um, this to me this seems like a test that they probably want to do for everything. You know what I mean? Like, I mean you've got you've got Battlefield under the EA banner. Um, you've got whatever new game the the original Infinity Ward guys were doing. This going to be under the new um, going to be under EA. To me, this seems like kind of like a a pretty big test that that they might want to unravel to like all their other games um, just to really combat used game sales, which is so crazy to me that, that a game company would want to go to this length to do that. 
So with well, something like 43, you wouldn't have to pay anything for that because that would be a little bit ridiculous to pay an additional $10. But I guess technically you can't buy that used, right? Yeah. So I guess it wouldn't affect something like 43. Well, so my one thought is uh, for more popular games, or at least maybe the kind of games that would get resold a lot uh, other than the sports games, I could see that actually kind of decimating the multiplayer community there because, oh yeah, you know, if, if all the used players are just like, well, screw that, I'm not going to pay for the, you know, extra ten dollars. Um, I think the people who did get it and you were going to lose out because they're not going to have anybody playing with them. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, I could, I could totally see that uh, backfiring on them if they uh, if if there's a game where it doesn't fit that that right sort of alchemy of people who buy are willing to buy it new and keep it. You know. Um, oh yeah, well, because if like say I'm someone that that's thinking about buying this game, but I don't want to pay sixty dollars for it. You know what I mean? Like I just I I I would pay forty dollars for it. I don't want to pay sixty for it. Well, think about the way used games are priced. You know, a, a game's got to be like fifteen years old and 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 scratched to hell before they'll lower it to forty dollars. Um, so, right. So if you so if you yeah. if you pay forty five dollars. Or fifty, you know, like I mean, like we were talking about Call of Duty, for yeah. literally for a year or no, a year and a half or two years after the game's release, was still fifty four dollars used. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's ridiculous that it would be that you would have to pay another ten dollars for that. Yeah, it's, so then you pay $65, which I guess is them hoping that someone will be like, well, I'll just buy a new instead. I'll just buy a new then, instead, exactly. But, but then you're back where you started. I don't want to pay $60 for that game. <laughs> right. You know? I, I did read that you can get the online pass for each game. So if you rent Tiger Woods, um, you get the online. The, 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 I'm sorry, the um, the seven-day trial, you, you get it for that. And then if you rent Madden later, you get another seven-day trial for Madden. So you don't have to blow all of your seven-day trial on one game. Okay. So, but if you want to play Tiger Woods on an eighth day, you have to pay ten dollars. On the eighth day, God said, "God, God went away, <laughs> and EA took over." <laughs> Guess so. Cool deal. Well, um, it looks like we're pretty much about out of time. We've been talking for a very long time, so we're not going to get to talk about uh, Steam on Mac um, the way we wanted, or um, <laughs> Steam on Mac the way we wanted, or uh, Little Big Planet Two um, either, which is a shame because I. You know, I liked the first Little Big Planet all right. I didn't get to play it a whole lot, but the the, the trailer for it is ridiculous in a good way. And uh, I'm I'm an old timey Mac gamer from back in the day, so you know, Steam uh, made my heart grow two sizes bigger <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, didn't you just replay Portal on it? I li- I have played through three fourths of Portal already just from the free download. I, I I'm in the last test chamber, I think. So. But isn't that hard with no right mouse button? Oh, oh my oh. god. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm even worse. I'm even worse. I'm playing it on a laptop, and I use my trackpad. So I'm sure all the PC gamers out there just died a little uh, hearing that. I mean, because I know that if you're a PC gamer, you're going to get your your giant monitor and your ergonomic mouse. And, and your Wasat in your mouse. Right, yeah. right, and you're tricked out system with the top of the line video card and here I am with a MacBook from two years ago and a trackpad and I'm clearly failing at everything even though I'm enjoying the game and it plays just fine. So 
I do think it was really uh, pretty awesome of them to give everybody Portal free for the first like month if you download it for cool. Mac. That was pretty cool. Yes, thank. Yeah, or if you download it for the PC, I got Portal just the other day. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty. Oh, cool. it was yeah. both ways. It's, it's uh yeah. It's Portal is free for everybody until the twenty fourth. So go download it right now. That's really cool. It's, yeah, because I um as I read that and then I was on Sunday I was like, well, let me go ahead and do this and everything. Literally, I had Final Fantasy thirteen paused on a boss battle <laughs> while I came out here and did this and then I was like, okay, click, 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 click. Played two levels of Portal and I'm like, okay, it works on this computer. Awesome. And then I went back to Final Fantasy thirteen. So. I'm sure I'll have more to say about Steam for Mac later on because I, I bought the indie games pack and they seem pretty cool too. Did you get uh oh god what is it torch torchlight torchwood? Oh, no. torchlight is really good. One I, of them is a TV show and one of them is a game. The the <laughs> only problem with torchlight is that I think that the sale is over and I forgot to buy it. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, yeah, I've heard that game's a lot of fun, but I haven't I haven't replayed it. Yeah, I've I've heard really good things about it. And it's pretty inexpensive too, from what I understand. Even by itself, I think even at full price, it's only twenty bucks. Yeah, but it was ten, which was really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, ten. No, ten is better than twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello. Hey, Mitch. Hi, man. What's up? Hey, how's it going? We oh, are brewing the All American Podcast. <laughs> we are in the middle of recording the podcast right now. Oh, really? How's it going? It's going pretty good. We're actually going great, big, but <laughs> yeah, we're actually soup. Up. Say something super, Canadian. Super. I like maple syrup, eh? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I told you, Revis. I think I think that is the the moment we end on. <laughs> I think I think officially the the podcast is done for the evening. Thanks, Mitch. I'm glad I could show up. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, you've been listening to the second episode of the Gamer Sushi Podcast. Um, I'm Eddie, and my Twitter handle is twitter.com/slash Eddie Revis. slash anthony taylor underscore i'm jeff and my uh, twitter handle is twitter.com slash unsquare i'm nick and my twitter handle is twitter.com slash nick camardo also follow at gamer sushi and i'm the ever late mitch and my twitter handle is twitter.com slash mi7ch there we go thanks for listening hey podcast we we talked hey, for a long time. We talked for like uh, an hour, a billion. Mitch, it was just better when you weren't here. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the Americans had more time to talk. You know, I, I I kind of expected that to be honest. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, uh, my day my day went well. Thanks for asking. There you go. Good day. That's wait wait. You didn't come because you were on a date. What Uh-oh, kind of nerd are you? Nerd. <laughs>